The following program is a presentation of the Flypod New Media Network. www.theflypod.com. You are listening to Super Chat, the official school information podcast for Richland Bean Blossom Community Schools. Thank you for listening in today. I am your host, Gary Puckett. And today, my guests are Superintendent Dr. Jerry Sanders. We have the Director of Student Services, Jennifer Anderson, Mental Health Coordinator, Jordan Truex, and two student service providers, Kate Johnson and Amy Kellyan. This program is sponsored exclusively by the locally owned and operated group of McDonald's restaurants in Bloomington and Ellettsville. If you are ready to get started working toward your college degree, McDonald's restaurants in Bloomington and Ellettsville offer financial support to their employees to help make their educational journey easier. Archways to Opportunity offers programs to help make your goals become reality and in a way that fits your lifestyle. For more information on receiving $2,500 annual tuition assistance available to part-time student employees as well as other programs, visit their website, archwaystoopportunity.com. McDonald's, committed to being America's best first job. Our nationwide media network operates with a team of 35 individual show hosts around the country. We also have 80 syndication partners and 17 different media domain platforms. We provide on-demand media programming for over 3,300 communities across the nation. Super Chat is a show format we offer for school districts across the country. However, this episode of Super Chat is produced solely for the benefit of the stakeholders of Richland Bean Blossom Community Schools. Well, we have quite a group joining me today. I welcome all of you to Super Chat. Jerry, let me turn to you. As you know, creating a safe, supportive, and collaborative school culture is really paramount to your overall success. So as you survey your stakeholders, what are you discovering uh, from your survey process? Well, we're just uh, actually in that window of uh, seeking that information. Uh, Every so often, we like to uh, survey our staff and parents and our community about uh, how we're, we're doing as a school corporation. We did that in the fall of 2019 as we were getting ready for our Ready Schools initiative. And the information was so valuable. It led us to rebranding the school corporation uh, with a new mission and vision statement and new logo, as well as got the ball rolling uh, in the right direction for what we wanted to do with our Ready Schools initiative. So uh, we wanted to start that process again we're going to do a, a number of surveys over the next few years. The, this first one is uh, about safety. Uh, we want to make sure that we're a safe school corporation. We, we uh, try to stress that all the time in our school corporation, uh, but we want to hear how well we're doing, how well the students and staff and parents 
uh, feel safe and how well they were doing in, in terms of providing a supportive and collaborative environment. We're in the middle of uh, asking everyone to complete the surveys. I believe the students have all done that survey or will be in the next day or two, but the window is still open until this Friday. And so I just wanted to make a mention to our school community that survey window will close after Friday. And we'd like as much, many uh, parents to complete the survey as possible. Oh, the more the better. Uh, I agree. And feedback is important because sometimes uh, otherwise things, well, frankly, if you never do this, it slips through the cracks. Well, ideally, if you were just randomly guessing from the hip, how often would you say such a survey process should be conducted every so many years? I mean, what's your guess? Yeah, I think as far as the surveys, uh, probably every three or four years. But I also think that you need to be paying attention to social media. You need to be t paying attention to uh, when uh, someone comes up and has a concern that they uh, want to share with you. It's all about having a demeanor that uh, just says you're accessible, that people can come talk to you. And I, you know, sometimes uh, people are a little nervous to talk to a superintendent. So that's why I try to do things like, you know, call, you know, the friendly superintendent. Uh, I want people to feel like they see me in a store, if they see me at a ball game, that they could come up and and share their thoughts because that's that's how I know and, and can keep a pulse on how we're doing. I can't be uh, in all the schools or all the events. So when people give me some feedback, and it's not all negative, there's a lot of positive feedback uh, I get too, but that's all very helpful information for me. Well, and, and listeners, uh, I'm living proof. Uh, you can talk to the superintendent, and I do it once a month, and I'm not nervous at all. How about that, Jerry? <laughs> <laughs> you should do a good job at that. <laughs> well, Jerry, on November 7th, parent-teacher conferences will be held. Can you provide our listeners information regarding these conferences and why they are important? Well, first of all, there will be no school on November 7th. It'll be a staff-only day. We didn't want to add e-learning and make it an e-learning day, so we actually sought and received a waiver uh, from the state so that we could take uh, uh, two flex days, we're calling them, where th there just won't be any school, but the teachers will be reporting to do uh, professional work. And we could do that because on a daily basis, we uh, have much more time. So we have more instructional minutes than are required. So we, we can utilize uh, that time to, to be able to build these two days into our schedule. So for November 7th, going to be a combined uh, parent-teacher conference day and professional development. So uh, at the elementary level, they're actually working right now. There are parent-teacher conferences that are being scheduled right now in the evenings by uh, some of the teachers, and they'll be doing that uh, before and, and after November 7th. Uh, so parents just need to, to be paying attention to information being sent home from, from the schools, uh, from their teachers, uh, see if their teacher is asking them to come in for a parent-teacher conference. Not all parents need to come in for a parent-teacher conference. 
but uh, that's why I'm saying to go ahead and be paying attention to those emails. So November 7th will be a combined uh, parent-teacher conference day and professional development for the teachers. Excellent. Well, Jennifer, I'd like to turn to you now. Will you give our listeners an overview of what is meant by mental health? I mean, as it relates to your schools, students, and staff. Sure. It is um, basically making sure that everybody in the school corporation, from teachers to IAs to cafeteria workers to um, students, all are in a place that they are regulated, that they are able to optimize their best self in order to do the job that they have at hand. So it's um, supporting. It is um, sometimes comforting, sometimes just lending an ear. It's basically making sure that all of our all of our staff have felt safety, that they feel safe and they feel secure, and we can accomplish that in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. If you were to estimate, what percentage of your entire student body actually needs uh, direct support and intervention and makes use of the mental health-related services and supportive services your schools can provide? So um, all of our students are provided um, assistance at the Tier 1 level, and that is through um, social and emotional learning curriculum. And those are basically what we would consider life skills, so how to properly interact. So every student receives that from the time they first step foot on our grounds in pre-K all the way up through the time they leave us in grade 12. Those students that need more support and need more intervention, about 20% of our students would be around the tier two level. Um, And that may be small groups, that may be more um, one-on-one assistance, that may be just some help just making it through the day, like a check-in, check-out process, those types of things. And then we have a tier three. And those tier three students are about 5% of our population, students who receive tier three services. And those students are in intensive um, group work on specific skills. Maybe they're in an executive functioning group where they are really working and trying to help students regulate. Um, They may be in part of our more uh, supportive special education uh, classes where they need um, really intensive interventions on behavior. So that's a really small part of our population. But that's kind of how it breaks down. Well, are many of the services that you are providing, are they being provided through community partnerships you have in place with outside professional service providers? Actually, no. We are able to provide that in the school corporation utilizing um, our own staff. We received the what we call the SMART grant. It was a federal grant through SAMHSA and the federal government, and um, it was $2.5 million over five years. And that allowed us to hire five individuals who are part of our school community, some teachers, some instructional assistants, some parents who have children in our school corporation, and they are being trained to become school counselors. So through this SMART grant, we are actually able to provide those services in-house to all of our students. That sounds like a a much more efficient way to be able to provide these supports. that's, That's a really good arrangement that you have. We are thrilled. Well, Jordan, as a mental health coordinator, what is your role 
Uh, can you describe it for us to give us a little bit better idea? Yeah, I think I have a pretty unique position. I'm wearing several hats during the day. Primarily, I would say I am organizing and, and tracking the mental health resources that we do have at our schools. So whether it's working with our counselors, whether it's working with Adult and Child Services, who's housed in our elementary schools, or even the partnerships that we have with IU and their mental support team, I'm kind of tracking to make sure these resources are being used as optimally as possible. Mm -hmm. Are you able to identify what the primary reasons are that some students need uh, mental health services directly? Uh, you know, those needs are just so broad. You know, I, th I think every student has some need, and, and because we have so many of these resources, we can kind of match what resource that works best with what student. Um, so whether it's, you know, struggles in the classroom with personal relationships, whether it's struggles that students are bringing from home, um, you know, it's so broad, those needs, that it's really just a matter of identifying what that student needs and then and how we can best address it. What recommendation or advice or comment would you make to our listeners, our parents out there who may be listening and kind of hanging on the words of both Jennifer and yourself as it relates to this? What, what would you recommend to them that they can do maybe on an everyday basis to help their child along? Yeah, um, I think if I could boil it down just from my experience, what I've learned is just the importance of having that conversation with the kid on any subject. Just that open dialogue, having that kid, uh, that student that is comfortable to come to you and, and address their problems. You know, I think we have a lot of students that do hesitate to bring certain concerns and, and those things manifest in a variety of ways. So just the power of having that conversation, whether it be with a counselor, a teacher, an administrator, a superintendent, um, you know, there's a lot of power in in conversation. Uh, well, I would agree. And I think you've done a fine job of boiling it down because uh, communication is the key to so many things as adults, as children. I mean, absolutely. Uh, we all need that. You are, you are spot on. Well, Kate, Amy, you are both student service providers. Together, can you give me some specific examples of what student services we are talking about here? Sure. Well, I think every day is unique and you never know what you will encounter when you show up to work, whether it's resolving conflicts with peers, helping kids get breakfast when they arrive to school, making sure that they have the glucose they need to feel regulated in their body and be able to learn. We're just trying to bridge those gaps to help them get to a spot where they feel secure at school just being a trusted adult that they can rely on and know that we care about their well-being, I think it goes a long way. And I think it's an honor to be in that position to help a child be successful in school. Yeah, and I do believe it helps them thrive. Well, describe for me what your typical day is like. Uh, Kate, let's begin with you. Okay. Um, well, I get to school and I have a couple friends who check in with me, just have had some issues in class. And so they come see me first thing in the morning with breakfast and we just have a conversation to really set their day on the right path. And so I get to spend my mornings with them and then I get to just bounce in and out of classrooms, uh, helping teachers where needed and 
conversations with friends uh, where needed. Sometimes it's just a student who's out in the hallway having a hard time, and I get to be a listening ear and help them find their way back into the classroom and into a successful day. I get to visit with students at lunch and recess, and sometimes I'm just hanging out with friends at recess, finding activities that are a little more healthy than than some of the the girl drama that that happens from time to time. And so I get to spend some time with some friends showing some better social skills that are available for them and helping them have a a path towards a more successful middle school career, um, building some of those skills as fifth graders. Sure, sure. Amy, tell me about your day. Yeah, I have a roster of kids that I'm always looking out for every day. I know them well at this point. Some of them I worked with last year, and I'm just constantly looking out for their well-being, checking in with their teachers to see how they're doing. Um, I have some kids who just need a positive adult in their life that can work on things that are not academic just to help provide them with felt safety and security. So I have a few of those that I have enjoyed working with a lot this year. A lot of kids do need regulation breaks. They need to move their body. It's a long day. They're so small. They get one recess and they just, we have a sensory room where they can use big muscles on the trampoline. They can be creative and build things. Um, We've got a wonderful space with some couches and weighted blanket. Uh, They can rest. I had a student yesterday, kindergartner, that had a really rough day, and he got under that weighted blanket on our couch, and he conked out. He just needed to rest. Just to be able to troubleshoot that and see what those needs are, I think my experience as a mom (laughs) prepared me for that. And I want other people to look out for my kiddos in that way at school, and I'm happy to be able to do that for other people's kids as well. You know, it, it, it sounds like both you and Kate are like mobile resources. You make your rounds, okay, that are definites, but you're available when things are needed. You, you stand up and jump on, onto the issue and, and help support the things. I mean, is that a fair description as a novice? For sure. We wear sneakers every day for that reason. And um, we carry radios, so we're easily reachable. Um, Teachers just cannot be expected to deal with some of these things that come up in their classrooms. And they have 20 other kids that they have to attend to. So it's an honor to support the teachers as well. Mm -hmm. I understand. Wow. Well, you know, we have covered a bit of ground in today's conversation overall, and I do appreciate your input for today's show. And, you know, I'm confident that your stakeholders benefit from these candid and open conversations each month. Good job, all of you. And I want to thank you for joining me today here on Super Chat. Thank you. Folks, I ask that you share this podcast with your community of school-associated friends using social media. I'd like to thank our sponsor for their support, the locally and owned operated McDonald's restaurants in Bloomington and Ellettsville. Just remember, if you have a comment or a question for us right here in studio number seven, email it to us, shout at theflypod.com. Well, I have been your host, Gary Puckett. 
And our show comes to you free and clear on your portable media device or computer through the program feeds of the flypod.com new media network. We're glad you joined us today. Thank you for listening in here on Super Chat, the official school information podcast for Richland Bean Blossom Community Schools. 